all, wasn't that a precious time where we get to celebrate with those who celebrate, rejoice with those who rejoice? And what a special time to celebrate a growing family. But today we also have communion. So get your cups and your juice and your crackers and your bread ready because after the message today, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. Hey, would you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? verses 42 to 47, we're continuing our series on Stronger Together. And we're going to talk about how the early church, the apostles, that they devoted themselves to God's Word, that they were stronger together collectively as a community in God's Word. But if you notice, you know, life is better when there's people to enjoy it with, that we are actually stronger together, especially when it comes to parenting. We just finished with our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and one of the things our family fasted from was ice cream and, and sugar and desserts. And of course, after our fast was done, uh, when we would put the kids to bed at night, uh, Renee and I would sneak out and uh, go to Time Supermarket uh, in Kahala and pick up some ice cream. And we, went, we go on a date night every Monday, and a couple Mondays ago, uh, we have our ice cream, and then the following day, we look in the fridge and our ice cream was gone. Those stinking kids ate up all of our ice cream, and so, uh, of course, the next date night we go to the following week, we get ice cream again and, you know, we, we were enjoying uh, dinner at home where after we put the kids down and the following day, uh, it was Tuesday morning, Renee opened the refrigerator or the freezer rather and she looked and goes, those stinking kids, they, they ate our ice cream again. I was like, not unless you put it away, babe, right? I said, yeah, I, I put it right behind the veggies, you know, the frozen peas, the frozen carrots. I, they're never going to touch those, so I put our ice cream behind there. And she said, babe, I love you. And she gave me a fist bump. And by fist bump, I mean a kiss on the cheek. But um, all that to say is that uh, we're better together. We're stronger together. I know we're talking about... Uh, there's a silly illustration about marriage but we're talk and parenting, but we're talking about stronger together in the faith. So if you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, uh, we're going to start in verse 32. And just uh, to give you some context, Peter just preached this sermon, 3,000 get saved. And starting at verse 42, uh, Luke begins to describe and narrates the activities of the early church and what they did. Let's look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those 
who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Earlier this week, I set my alarm for 5 a.m. so I could get some time to pray and seek God's face and uh, do my devotions, spend some time in worship. But lo and behold, 5.30 rolls up. I was praying my son, my oldest son, Judah, uh, he's like, hey, Dad. He's like, morning. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm waking up 5.30 in the morning so I could get my schoolwork done. I'm like, schoolwork, this bump, right? And uh, Judah, he said, hey, I, I have uh, two car washing jobs today, uh, one in Kahala, one in Kalama Valley, and I, ha- I have all my schoolwork. And because um, the past couple of weeks, I've been really um, telling them, it's like, hey, you know, if you want something, there's a price to be paid. Uh, there's a thing called opportunity cost that nothing in this life is really free, that there's a price to be paid for everything. And, you know, it was one of those proud moments in my life when, where it clicked on for my son, 13 years old. He's going to be 14 uh, next month or this month, actually, in about two weeks. But it got me thinking about life and about faith. Because in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, there's been a, a movement in evangelicalism. There's a movement, there's a cry, an outcry in Christianity for we got to go back to the early church where there were signs and wonders and there was miracles. We got to go back to the times where the Lord added to their number daily and they they shared all things together. No one had any need because they just contributed together. And we focus on the results. That we focus on the products without paying the price. We, we look to results without the resistance to the results. Um, as Jesus would say that we want the fruit without the pruning that we want the crown of glory, but we don't want the cross. The Resurrection Sunday without the Good Friday crucifixion. It's like having, wanting a Savior without the Lord, wanting forgiveness without discipleship. And when we think about the favor of God on the church, it must be rooted in a couple of principles. And it goes back to being devoted or being committed. There is four practices or two subcategories that the early church, in order to experiencing God's favor, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And here's my main point for us this morning. Would you write this down? A strong community, since we're talking about stronger together, a strong community comes from a solid commitment to God's word and God's people. Let me say that again. A strong commit community, a community of faith. If we want to be stronger together, it is rooted and it comes from A strong community is rooted in what? A solid commitment to God's word and to God's people. 
starting in verse 42, it says, And they, the early church, they devoted themselves. Uh, the word for devoted there in Greek, it means to continue to do something with intense effort, with possible implication of difficulty. It's translated as to devote oneself to, to keep on or to persist in. It means to be devoted or to be committed means to be firm, to persevere, to remain faithful to a task or to a person. It means to hold on to, to continue and to persevere. In Acts chapter 10, it's used to describe a devout soldier who was ready and devoted and attended to and stood beside Cornelius that he was this devoted soldier. Um, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles, not wanting to spend their time serving tables, they committed themselves to two things, to prayer and to teaching the word of God. It's how Luke here in Acts chapter 2 describes what the believers and the women were doing in preparation and waiting for the Holy Spirit's arrival in the upper room that they devoted themselves, they persevered in, they, with intense effort, they remained faithful, they were firm, they were unwavering to God's word and to God's people. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it, it describes that we're to persevere in prayer, that even though there's hardship, that we are unwavering and that we will not waffle back and forth, that Come what may, I am committed, I am devoted, I am dedicated to this. And so, two areas, and it's right in the text here. Would you write this down? Commitment to gospel-centered teaching. We must be devoted, or there must be commitment to gospel-centered teaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23, Paul says, For Jews, they demand, they demand signs, and Greek, they seek wisdom. But we preach Christ. We preach the gospel. And Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. And in Acts chapter 2, it says, And the early church, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. Remember here, and this is, I love the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, where the context of this is they were praying, they were waiting in the upper room, something like a rushing, the sound of a rushing wind comes, and they started speaking in tongues and speaking in their own language and different languages and with interpretation. And people are like, oh, these guys are drunk. And Peter comes up. This is the same Peter who only a couple days before or weeks before rather denied Christ in front of a slave girl who was warming himself to a charcoal of fire. And the little girl said, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Aren't you one of them? He's like, no, no, that's not me. Never, that's not me. He goes, I'm pretty sure you're one of them. And he, he wimps out and he becomes discouraged and he became afraid and he denies Christ 
But here now in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes with power. In Acts 1.8, it says that you shall be my witnesses and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And Peter goes, not just in front of a little girl, but he goes upon thousands and he preaches boldly, confidently the word of God. He proclaims the teaching of Jesus Christ and he tells them, you all crucified the Lord of glory. And as a result of the apostles' teaching, of the apostles' of biblical preaching, it says 3,000 souls were saved that day. And when they heard the word of God, when they heard biblical teaching, when they heard the apostle, uh, Peter's message, it says that they were cut to the heart. There was such a deep conviction and persuasion of the Holy Spirit. And what we desire, our hearts cry, is that we would be a people, that we would be devoted, we would be committed to gospel-centered preaching, teaching that centers on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul warns us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, for the time is coming when the people will not endure what? Sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The word, therefore, will not endure it means to continue to accept as valid and true. To accept. There's a time, Paul says, that is coming. And the time has come when people, Christians, believers, will not endure sound teaching. Why? Because they have itching ears. That when the pastor talks about sin and repentance. They're like, mm, no, I don't want to hear that. No, no, I, uh, I, I just want to hear about how great I am, not how holy God is. When we hear teaching that confronts our own pride, our own idolatry, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, that Jesus alone is a savior, People will not endure and receive Christ as the only way, the truth, and the life. And they have itching ears and they are going to find people that would suit their sinful behavior. That they're going to find preachers that would justify their lifestyle so that they could somewhat suppress their convictions. Don't have itching ears to only what you want to hear. Don't go on a steady diet of teaching where it's all about health, wealth, and prosperity. Where it's about just your leadership and it's about your potential and about being positive. Devote yourselves to biblical teaching that preaches Christ and Christ crucified. That no amount of self-help, self-motivation, no amount of good intention can change the human heart that we are sinners in need of a savior. 
May we never be like the Galatian church who have so wandered and, and strayed from the truth and believed a contrary gospel. Paul tells the churches in Galatia, like, how, how could you guys do this? Who has bewitched you? If an angel from above proclaims a different gospel about other than Jesus Christ, let that, let that person be anathema. Let that person be eternally condemned. You started by the Spirit. Now you expect to be perfected by the flesh? Church, hear me clearly. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. And it will always be about Jesus forever. Jesus in the beginning, Jesus in the middle, Jesus in the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. And any other teaching that's not sound, that's not solid, that's not stable, that strays away from relying on the efficacy of the cross and the sufficiency that Jesus is enough, is bad teaching. Devote yourselves to biblical teaching that preaches the whole counsel of God's word. Commit yourself to going to church, to reading your Bible. Commit yourself, 7.30 and 9.30, to hear God's word. Have your Bible with you. Be... Um, deeply committed and devoted to biblical teaching. You see, Francis Chan says, man, you know what? You could find whatever uh, teaching that you like, whatever belief system that you, you want, and I could find you a, a preacher who will preach on what you prefer. If you want... Uh, to believe and if you want itching ears that you use like oh America is God's country and the kingdom of God is America and it's all about patriotism there's pastors and preachers like that there's churches like that but if you're on the office opposite uh, side of the spectrum if you want like social justice and oh feeding the poor which is all very important but if it only feeds this if it only feeds the body and does not feed the soul, what good is it if a person is fed physically but their soul is forever separated from God and they're not being preached the gospel of Christ? What's, what good is that? Any belief system, if you want to justify uh, your lifestyle, justify your sin, if you want to be all about the prophecy and the prophetic, if you want to justify a lifestyle, there's preachers, or let me double, let me clarify, there's false teachers that would preach that. But if you want Jesus for who he is, the son of the living God, the Messiah, the Lord of glory, crucified, who's a stumbling block to this world, but to us who believe it is the power of God, be committed, church. Resolve in your heart. Schedule it. I understand it's football season. 
and you could pretty much watch Sunday football from 6.30 in the morning or 7 in the morning till 5 at night. But devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. Devote yourself to the Word of God. Persevere. Set time aside. Let this be an untouchable devotion. Let your Sunday mornings at home, let that be an untouchable time with your family and with God. Devote yourselves. Don't just go for the results. Don't just aim for the product without going through the process. If you want the favor of God, if you want with if you want the Lord to add, if you want a stronger community, you and I, we must make a solid commitment to God's word, both in our personal devotions, but also in community. There's nothing like hearing the word of God together. May I encourage you, all the men out there, join us every Saturday for Bible study. We wake up early, 6.30, and, you know, we go through Zoom and we read Scripture 20-20-20, or in our case, 30-30-30. 30 minutes reading, 30 minutes journaling, and 30 minutes of sharing. And, you know, I've been studying the Bible. I've been a pastor for um, almost, sheesh, how is it, almost 18 years now. Um, I've been a full-time pastor since 20, yeah, 23 years old. But, and I've studied the Bible, and we, we, we did devo, devotions this one time as a community. And we devoted ourselves to God's Word and, you know, sharing about um, Exodus and how in Exodus it says that, and the Israelites left the Egypt and a couple of and a few of the Egyptians and that just blew me away I'm like wow God would save the Egyptians that God has a heart for the nations and I thought like man I have this crazy insight but you know what's crazy one of the guys he was sharing is like pastor you know what's super nuts about that it's these are Egyptians whose firstborn children just died and God killed through the angel of death. But they see God for who he is and they followed Yahweh. They followed the true and living God. And I'm just like, that's so awesome. Do you see here how we could gather together as a community, sharpen one another, Proverbs 27, 17, right? As one man sharpens the other. So iron, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. That there's a, a sharpening, there's a challenging of hearing the Word of God. Number two is be committed to gospel-centered fellowship. Would you write that down? Commitment to gospel-centered fellowship. Acts chapter 2 verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And I love how Luke who's a physician, so he's very precise. He's a doctor. He says, the fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. It means to participate. It's a relationship between individuals through active participation. It's not just gathering together. 
Uh, it's not just drinking red punch after church or um, having coffee and and getting together. Oh, how about them Cowboys? Oh, when is UH football playing? I sure hope Marcus Mariota will will start a couple games for the Raiders. Oh, yeah. And you feel good about yourself. Oh, we had some good fellowship. <laughs> I'm not saying that's not fellowship, but fellowship goes so much more than that. Fellowship is participation in a common mission. It's fellowship. It's not just two fellas in a ship, the gubsh, or two pelas if you're Filipino, but fellowship is this common active participation on a mission. Real biblical, heartfelt, and heart satisfying fellowship is relationship between people and we're going to engage in mission we're going to engage in hearing the word of god together may i say this never underestimate the fellowship in serving remember serving <laughs> when we used to have church in-person church service and we would put away the chairs Oh, yeah, let me get that. How's it going, brother? And you oh, yeah, you know, uh, could you pray for me? Because, you know, I've had a rough time or my family member who's sick. And then we have this common mission of serving the King of Kings, the Lord of glory. And we were able to bear one another's burdens. There's nothing like serving for a common mission. That is true, genuine biblical fellowship. It's not just getting together and watching football or playing golf, or uh, these are all good things, but fellowship is an active participation in a common mission. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll close with this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to two things, to love and good works. And as we do that, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near be committed to gathering together to do church be devoted set this time every Sunday 7 30 9 30 I understand it's more convenient to do church whenever you want but set a culture of commitment and devotion and be devoted to the apostles teaching and be devoted to fellowship I said this again and I'll I said this before and I'll say it again crisis is an accelerator and meaning that when crisis happens, it accelerates to the event that would usually happen or to the outcome, it speeds things up. That crisis is not, crisis does not build character, like oh, I'm going through crisis right now, I have to build character, but crisis reveals character. I get it. Going to in-person church is so much easier. 
You could drop off the kids. Just you and your spouse or you go by yourself and go to church. Air conditioned. Get to greet people. Have some coffee. Have some parfait. <laughs> but what crisis does, it reveals character. Are you committed to the fellowship and to the apostles' teaching simply because it's convenient? Simply because it's comfortable? Our commitment is not based on convenience and comfort. It is commit Our commitment is based in Christ. That no matter what happens, Lord, you saved me, you loved me, you redeemed me, you've forgiven me, you've given me new life. My life is yours. I am yours and you are mine. I am dedicated to hear God's word. I'm dedicated to, fellow, the, to the fellowship of the brethren. I'm devoted to this. I'm dedicated and I get it. You know, we have a four-year-old, a five-year-old now, but, you know, he was four when we went through uh, Zoom church for children's ministry, and it is such a pain to have him just like, say, say, listen to, say with the teacher, say hi to your aunties. And it's awkward to have church online, and it's awkward to have your kids running around, and it's awkward to try to sing and try to make it like you're having church, but... Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in your midst. Do you believe that this morning, that in your living room, the presence of Jesus is there? Could you tread lightly and treat church with reverence? Be committed. I want to hear God's word. I want to know more about Jesus. I'm going to be committed to the fellowship. I'm going to fellowship with my spouse and with my children. We're going to grow in God's word together. You know, Barna Group says 30% of Christians during COVID, practicing Christians, stopped completely going to church. He said 50% of millennials have not attended church at all during COVID. And the amazing thing, you guys, is that we had a prayer meeting a couple weeks ago, and we had millennials and Gen Zs you know, share their testimonies, growing in Christ-likeness, being committed to church, being committed to God's Word, the Apostles' teaching, and being committed to fellowship. So let me pray for us before we take our communion this morning. On a scale from one to, one to ten, how important is biblical and sound gospel-centered teaching to you? How committed are you to hear God's word? On a scale from one to ten, how committed are you to the local body, which is the church, New Hope Community Church? Like, trust me, podcasts are cool, different sermons are cool, different speakers are cool, but there's nothing, there's no substitute than to be committed to a local body to hear what God has in store or God's word for the local church here in New Hope Community Church in Aina Haina. Let's be stronger together. So let's, let's pray. Father, we love you. 
We thank you, God, that you're good, that you're faithful. I pray right now, God, that you would stir our hearts, create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. Lord, may we be devoted to you, not because it's convenient, not because it's comfortable, not because it's easy, but Lord, from the substance, Lord, and in response to your grace and to your goodness and to your love to us, that we would commit ourselves to you, to your word, and to your people. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and every first Sunday of the month, we are devoted to and committed ourselves as a church to partake of the Lord's or to receive the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's table has three aspects. First is looking back. That the New Testament communion is the Old Testament Passover. We look back to the sacrifice of Jesus. We look back to the benefits of the cross. And we look back to the not only that, but to the historicity that over 2,000 years ago, God came down to this earth. 33 years, he lived the full human experience, but yet not sin. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he took skin and bones, lived a perfect life you and I could never live so that he could be an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. We look back to Christ being crucified on the cross. We look back to the resurrection of Jesus guaranteeing our victory. Another aspect, second aspect, is not only do we look back, but we look within. The Bible says that we are to examine ourselves that we, there's a way that we partake of the communion that is unworthy. And unworthy is just kind of go through the routine, just have this perfunctory eat and drink, God bless, and we move on. But we actually examine ourselves, examine your faith, where are you at? Examine your uh, devotion level, your commitment level to Christ, to God and His Word, and to fellowship. So not only do we look back and look within, lastly, third aspect of the Lord's Supper is that we look forward. We look forward to the day when Christ comes back. Thessalonians says that when the, the blast of a trumpet and a loud shout, Christ is gonna return. He's gonna come back for us and he's gonna prepare a table and we are gonna have a banquet it's called the anticipation of the Messianic banquet that we get to have a, a dinner, Lord's Supper with a Messiah. So Paul says, For I received from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God. This Eucharist, Eucharisteo, I give thanks. I thank you, God, for your sacrifice. I thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, so that I could have life eternal. 
I can have an abundant life here now and also an eternal life in the life to come. I pray that as we eat this bread, that you would give strength, sustenance, nutrition, that we could love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right now, Lord, would you forgive us, cleanse us of anything that we have said, done, or thought that has grieved your spirit. Would you make us clean? We turn away from them and we turn and run to you. We repent of our sins. We repent of our ways in order to run to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat, for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and let's drink the cup together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, guys, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for joining us for our online church today. We just wanted to let you know that we love you. We're here for you. If you haven't registered, register yet for our fall festival for our Treasure Islands. It'll be a great time to be with our community and to uh, spread the love of Jesus to our keiki and that as a church newhopecommunity.tv god bless you guys we love you take care